you're tuned into Toby Talks, episode 34, what they don't tell you about transitioning careers in nursing. It's your girl, Toby Todd. I am back on the mic and I'm so excited to be talking to you guys. Welcome back. I am literally lit. Um, probably lit because I just came back from Mexico, so probably still a little bit more alcohol in my system. I don't know, but I'm really excited just to talk to you guys and share with you guys what y'all really need to know, like for real, when you're transitioning in your careers in nursing. Things that people don't tell you, you end up finding out like once you're months in and you wish like, dang, I wish somebody would have told me that. So I am here to drop and share all that information with you guys. But before I hop into that conversation, I kind of want to let you guys know what I've been up to, what this hiatus has really been about, um, and where I've been and what I've been up to. So these last couple of months, I have been MIA. Um, I'm here and there. I know I did post about a couple of events that I attended uh, this summer, but this summer slash spring slash all of 2019, practically, I've been in huge transition mode. Um, One, I accepted an awesome job opportunity, um, which I could not you know, bypass at all. Um, It was something that I always wanted to work my way up in my career to do um, while doing what I love to do and not necessarily always thinking that you need the title. But I did assume a role as the director of quality um, and that's been super, super exciting. On top of that, I've also been dealing with relocating. So I have relocated back to Texas in the D. For y'all who don't know what that means, the D stands for Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. Uh, But don't get it twisted. I am from the H, which stands for Houston, Texas. Uh, I grew up in um, the SWAT, which stands for Southwest A-Leaf, Texas. I know I'm throwing a lot of acronyms and letters out there, so I just want to make sure I'm keeping you guys along. But yes, I grew up in Houston. Um, Proud of being raised in Southwest A-Leaf, Texas, where... uh, Awesome talents are groomed and made and falsed out into the world. But um, I have actually relocated from the Bay and I'm back in Texas and it feels like home. Uh, But don't get it twisted. I have a lot of Bay family out there. So I'm constantly going back and forth and um, hopefully have some things in the future to keep you guys posted on. So that has really been a lot of what I've been going through. I've been going through a new job transition. I've been going through relocating from one state to another state. And then in between, there have been tons of travels and different events that I've had to attend and wonderful family opportunities. Like my little sister got into graduate program for occupational therapy, and I'm so excited for her. I'm so proud of her. So it's just been a lot that's been going on in my um, in my world. And I had to take a break, um, trying to balance all of that, um, trying to move from one studio to another studio in another state. It was just a lot. So I had to take a little break from social media, a break from podcasting, and really make sure I'm giving myself um, good time to heal, breathe, learn. Transitioning is very tough. I'm not going to lie to you, especially when you're throwing in moving. Um, So it's been a lot and I've had to do a lot of traveling in between and it's been exhausting. Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, you see on Instagram, like, oh, this person traveling at the right, oh, they must be, oh, they rich, oh, they this and this and this. Look, no, um, traveling off of points, airline points, and on top of that, traveling is exhausting. It is exhausting. Like, you miss your bed, you miss your home, you miss your coffee maker, you miss everything about what is comfortable in your life. 
and transitioning is very uncomfortable. It really is. Um, not only from a new job to, not only from an old job to a new job, from an old home to a new home, all those different areas, like we're, I'm thrown out of my routine, you know, and it's uncomfortable. And it's a lot of relearning, rebuilding, um, doing things, finding your own new niche on how to do things. So it's been an exhausting couple of months, but I am so excited because I needed that break to just kind of um, have a refresher, you know, and, and come back with a little bit of spunk in my voice. You know, I don't want to sound like I'm forcing it. I got to be like for real, for real. Mm. Sorry, y'all. That's also my urban side that comes out too. You know, I kind of switch it up on y'all and y'all just don't be paying attention. It's okay. But um, anywho, so I just wanted you guys to know what I've been up to. And I, I want to appreciate all of you who have been messaging me. I've gotten so many emails and inboxes like, are you okay? I haven't heard or haven't seen you post in a while. I'm doing fine, y'all. I'm doing great. Um, I'm doing really, really good. And I really need this hiatus time to get my groove back in, okay? So thank you guys for being such a, a proactive listeners. Like y'all went above and beyond. Y'all emailing me, making sure I'm alive. Oh, appreciate y'all. Y'all my fam. Toby Talks fam. Okay, so now that I've given you guys a little quick overview of what I've been going through this summer, I really, really, really want to talk on this conversation about what they don't tell you when it comes to transitioning in your career in nursing. And there are so many things that I wish I knew when I was transitioning from, you know, one role to another, still in the nursing field, but it's completely different. So... I want to kind of share with you guys a story that happened to me a couple of years ago. And this is not just for if you're moving from bedside to administration or if you're moving from bedside to a whole other field. This can apply to you if you're moving from one floor <laughs> to another floor or from one specialty to another specialty. Transitioning is not just, oh, I got another job. You know, like it's different if you had another job in the same role, then yeah, a lot of the skills, a lot of the things that you've learned and stuff, they could apply, but there's still things that you need to be mindful of when you are transitioning in a job. So I remember way back, one of the one places I knew I was going to work, like I had to work there. It was the best hospital in the U.S. or one of the top best hospitals in the U.S. It was in the medical center of Houston and I just had to work at the hospital. And it was Texas Children's. And I loved that hospital so much. And I knew like once I become a nurse, I'm going to work in either the mother baby or labor and delivery. And at that time, I don't know why I thought that that's where I was going to work. And I don't really think they had that that opportunity even there yet. <laughs> so in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to work in L&D. But they didn't even have L&D yet. So I don't know. I probably wasn't even paying attention to what the hospital had. All I knew was I wanted to work with children. And I wanted to work at Texas Children because it was like the dopest hospital ever. So when I was in nursing school the second time, um, and it was getting towards close to graduation, I was applying left and right. Like I applied for any and every RN, graduate RN, whatever position I could get. I was like, yep, that's where I'm going to work. Let me just start applying now. I, I started applying like a semester ahead. And I don't know why. I don't know why I thought like, oh, yeah, you need to first have your license. Duh. But anyways, I applied way, way ahead thinking I'm going to get into this hospital. That's going to be where I'm going to live. I'm going to move back to Houston. My life is going to be popping. Whoopie whoop. Yeah, right. So I applied. I applied. Didn't hear anything back. Graduated. 
you know, took my boards, failed the first time, took it again, passed the second time. Thank God. But the hospital I ended up working at was the hospital that actually got an externship. I built a really good relationship there and I loved working with the kids there. And this opportunity was in Dallas. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just move to Dallas. You know, I'll just live there and that'll be my new chapter of my life. So I've been with that um, hospital since I was in nursing school because even after my externship program, I stayed on and did PRN um, as a nurse tech. So like on the weekends, like on a Friday and Saturday, I'd pick up shifts and drive all the way to Dallas, work, and then come all the way back for school on Sunday and get ready for classes on Monday. Whew, y'all don't even know how I was doing that because when I was in nurse school, I was working five jobs and it was a lot, but I don't know, I guess it just made it work. So when I was working there, I ended up starting there as a new grad and it was like the best opportunity ever, right? So I've been there for a year. Mind you, I graduated and I worked at this children's hospital in Dallas for a year. And I've been applied, okay, since I was in nursing school to Texas Children's. Y'all tell me why a year and a half later, like a year and a half later, I got an email from Texas Children's saying that they would like to interview me for this position on Mother Baby. What? I was shook. I was like, wait, what? First of all, I haven't even applied since a year and a half. So that means my resume has been floating in the resume world somewhere. And y'all finally acknowledge my presence. That's fine. I'll give y'all my, my five seconds. What's up? What's up? What's up? So did a phone interview. Everything went amazing. Mind you, they just built this mother baby um, pavilion center like probably two years, two years prior to this interview. So it's probably like I'm, I would be starting like towards their third year. And um, so I got the interview. I got the job and I was like, yes, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. And I literally packed all my stuff up within a month and I was trying to do this by <laughs> and I was there literally starting like a week later um at the orientation and everything and i was like super excited i was like this is my dream job i can't believe i'm doing this it's amazing so um when i started that position y'all i've been on night shifts for at least 2011 12 13 14 15 i've been doing nights for about three and a half years this was gonna be my first time that i actually had to do like day shift for a little bit mind you they're training me i'll be on night shift but i had to do day shift training and that was so hard like i was literally falling asleep in the middle of like orientation and training with my preceptor and i was so embarrassed but it was so hard to shift from night to day and that was something that i struggled with because i had to be on orientation for a minute before i can go to you know being on night shift orientation so not only did I not properly get my life together to um, get ready to start this day shift, I also didn't give myself enough time to prepare for a new job. And in this new role, I'm, I'm leaving a children's specialty. I was doing orthopedic children's specialty, and now I'm doing mother baby which means I have to learn about newborns. I have to learn about the women's body. I had to do so much more knowledge even I'm still giving the same skills. I got to do IVs. I got to do, you know, INOs and take vital signs and, you know, do all that plan uh, care planning and stuff like that. But it's completely different. My population has changed. So one thing that I did not know that I should have done was one, give myself enough time to break in between jobs. Like right when I moved the following week, I hopped into another job. And granted, 
I don't know if I would have made the same decision again because I was broke as a college student, okay? <laughs> as a college student graduating and even through my first year, I was still technically broke, you know, living that like, oh, new grad, but still struggling on my own in Dallas, got my own little apartment, ain't got no furniture, but a blow up mattress, but I'm fine, living my best life. But you know, so I'm not sure if I would have made that same decision or probably what I would have done is probably moved in with a friend and given my giving myself some time to not rush into another lease and not have finances together and stuff. But one thing I really, really wish I would have done was to give myself proper time to end one job role to start another one. I would have at least given myself at least like three weeks to a month to just get a refresher to just like, whew, okay. Not only am I ending one chapter, I'm starting a new one. So that would have given me more time to do more research, do some, you know, in-depth reading on things that I need to know to better myself in this new role. So that was one. One, I should have done that. Two, I should have asked better questions on how long this uh, orientation was going to be so I can better prepare myself to be on day shift. (laughs) Because falling asleep during training is just terrible. So, no, get those facts in order. But not only that, um, what I wish I knew then was the fact that I had to know the population that I was serving. Like, I came from a children's hospital, y'all. Children are very direct. If they don't like you, they don't like you. If they like you, they like you. They're very honest brutally honest, painfully honest sometimes. And if they cry, it's for a purpose. If they want something, it's for a purpose. Okay. That's children's world. Adult female just about to push a baby out my vagina world. That's a whole nother population. Okay. There's more needs. There's more emotions. There's a lot of crying. (laughs) A lot of crying. Um, And and granted, yes, not trying to sound empathetic. I definitely, um, I I don't know. I haven't had a child come out of my vagina yet, but I've heard it's a painful experience. I've seen it. I've done it. Well, helped those who have done it. I haven't done it. But um, this it's two different populations. So I am a very direct person. I'm used to dealing with children. If you're crying, what do you need? What's wrong? What hurts? Can you tell? Like, I'm, I'm used to that versus... I don't know. I just, I just need the moment. I, and I'm like, ma'am, how can I help you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you want. I need, I just, I just need you to take the baby. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And it's like, whoa, okay. What do I do here in this situation? So one thing I wish I knew in that, um, in that moment was how to deal with the population I'm now going to serve. I cannot talk to an adult woman who has just given birth, who is going through challenges, who is tired, who is trying to learn how to breastfeed for the first time. I can't speak to her how I speak to a child. Um, I definitely have to understand the population that I'm serving. Um, we had high clientele um, different kind of um, people from different backgrounds, economically, um, ethnically. So I had to make sure I understood the population that I was going to serve. And I wish I, I did that ahead of time. So I wasn't caught off guard and not knowing how to be empathetic or not knowing how to be resourceful when I needed to be. So those are two things. One, I wish I would have gave myself some more time to start my job. 
anytime there's a shift in your new job to a new a new position to um, an old position, excuse me, if there's ever a shift from an old position to a new position in a career change, whether it's from one unit or one specialty to another, give yourself some time. Like seriously, if you could give yourself a month to just de-stress from what you went through from the old job and get prepared for the new job, it's so much more needed. And also know the population you're about to serve. Ask questions, know the kind of um, clientele that comes in through your organization or your hospital or your job. Get to see what the community that you're about to serve is like so you know how to better serve them in your new role. So let me go ahead and hop into my third thing that I wish I knew that they're not telling us about that we need to know when we're transitioning into a career. The third thing is be prepared. Like I know that we say that and be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be prepared and be ready on the first day, yada, 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 I'm so excited, like a first day of school, new backpack. No, not prepared, like just have your outfit together, your nails done, your hair popping, or you know, just feel cool that you got this new position. Like literally be prepared. A lot of times we will apply for a job, right? And we're like, you know what? I can do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the description. That's all y'all need. Oh, I can definitely do that. Duh, 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 duh. But we really don't know what the job entails or we kind of breeze through a lot of the descriptions or we don't research the company and know what they're doing and what they really, what their mission are, what they believe in. And we just start the job kind of shocked like, oh, dang, I don't even know what that is. And we're winging it all through orientation and things like that. When I first started, I first got a um, leadership, like my first leadership official position a couple of years ago, and it was to be a supervisor and a clinical liaison, um, which is also like my first entry into really doing quality work, you know, really giving the quality to the, um, the patient population I was serving. And I, you know, like everybody else, I looked at the job description. I said, okay, I, oh, I could do that. I've done that. I don't know what that is, but I can wing that. You know, I did, I, you know, I, I finessed it a little bit. I was like, you know what? Cool, cool, cool. But what I didn't know was that I had to learn so much more that I didn't know that I needed to know. I thought that, cool, I'm being a nurse. A lot of the stuff that you're going to teach me, they're going to teach me during orientation. They're going to give me training. I mean, they said all of this thing. So I had my expectations like up there, like, yes, it's a new job role, but I'm not nervous or scared because they're going to train me everything I need to know. And I'm going to be equipped and I'm going to be ready. Who that was a lie. Okay. Um, and not a lie from the fact of my expectations from the organization, I think I lied to myself thinking that I didn't have to do any kind of back work. And mind you, even though this is my first big job role, I was moving from the bedside to insurance role. Like that is a huge change for anyone who has not really been exposed to the insurance aspect, especially at the bedside. Your goal is to deliver care. I don't care if you can pay for this or not, that's not my job. That's not something I need to worry about. I don't care. I'm here to service you and give you the best care I can as a nurse. And whatever happens on the flip side, that's billing. <laughs> that's literally all I know, right? So moving from that world of being at the bedside to now going into a insurance aspect, um, a managed care organization, an ACO, like those were acronyms that I've never heard of ever like I hear it in the news and stuff like that but it wasn't something that was tied to what I was doing every day 
um, for the population I was serving. So I failed to do my own homework, right? I failed to do my own research and really go and do my own homework, like research on what this means, how, like reading a lot of laws, like when I mean laws, y'all, I mean, I'm on like Googling laws and like, when did this come into place? Why is this here? How do organizations run um, in this aspect of insurance? What is Medicaid? What is Medicare? How does these things really apply to what I'm doing? I mean, it was a whole new world for me. And I wish that was something that I was instilled into, like I wish that was instilled into me when I was transitioning from bedside to this role. Because not only am I gonna be a supervisor, but I need to know what I'm doing. I need to know the population I'm serving. I need to understand this insurance aspect. I need to understand prior authorizations and why do we need one? <laughs> like things like that. Um, and I didn't know that. And I, and I struggled. I, I really, really struggled in the role um, the first month. Uh, was very hard for me because in things like that, especially when you're passionate about the service that you want to give, you're passionate about nursing, you're passionate about um, about quality. It's just you have to know your stuff. You can't wing it. It's not like a oh, I'm just taking an exam. And I'll never see this again in real world. Like algebra. Please stop making us take algebra. Like I don't think I do. Anyways, let me hop back on on topic. But it's not something that we're just gonna do one time and forget. It's something that we need to know. We gotta eat, breathe, and, 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 and know it in the back of our heads. So at that point, for me, it was very important that I started building relationships with people in the organization. Um, I needed to know who my resources was. Like, who do I call if I have this kind of challenge situation? Or what do I do in this situation? Um, because when I started this role, there was no prep guidebook there was no oh one-on-one -on -one, or hey this is what we give all supervisors that come in nope it was a brand new organization and it was not that they were super new but what they were doing and having different locations in different cities throughout the u.s was very new so there wasn't a standard um, process you know where i can just know that this is where i got to do to, this is where i got to go to get all the information i need no i had to do that homework on my own and i had to build that networking within the organization that i was in so that is something that i really want you to know that you have to be prepared you can't just assume that oh i'm gonna get into this role and they're gonna teach me everything i need to know the same thing when i was moving from children's to mother baby i went directly to my charge nurse and I asked her, what books do I need to read? Because I'm not gonna crack open my nursing book. Granted, yes, that's still relevant, but I wanted like quick books. Like I need to know what I need to know right now. What organizations do I need to be keyed into to kind of know the population I'm serving? And because I was so upfront with her on what I need, what my resources was, she was so helpful. Like she gave me a, the actual prenatal book and things I need to read about that. She told me about, you know, breastfeeding champions and how we're starting that whole um, that whole aspect and how I can get involved in that. She also taught me about organizations that deal with NICU and, and newborns and mother um, women's health. And she told me about organizations I can get more information about. So once she gave me those resources, I went to work. You know, I literally was like reading, researching, knowing like I didn't know what I don't. Look, it's been a minute. I didn't know what a fundus was. So I had to read about that stuff, how to properly, you know, assess it and things like that. So I, I was still responsible for my own knowledge outside of the job providing me knowledge. So that was the same thing that happened to me when I was in the supervisory position. I had to learn a lot of things that I didn't know. 
outside of what the organization was teaching me to be um, to be an efficient supervisor. So that is the third thing. You gotta be prepared and don't wait for them to spoon feed you the information when you get on day one of orientation. Know your ish before you come in. The things that you don't know, you need to start writing it down. Like literally like, oh, if somebody drops an acronym, and I know sometimes people are like, oh, just ask question, no stupid question, no stupid question. But if you applied for a job and then you're asking what that job is, that's a stupid question. Don't raise your hand. I need you to write that down and go home and Google it, okay? Don't be coming into a new job asking about like, oh, what is this job thing? You applied for it, you got it. I need you to, I need you to at least act like you know it. Please, oh, the, please, <laughs> just get that part out the way. But be prepared, get your ish, know your ish, and if you don't know it, write it down. Follow up, ask somebody that you feel you can truly know that they're not going to shame you for wanting to find out more information about it. And third, what I always do when I'm being prepared, especially for things that I don't know, whenever I'm in meetings or whenever I'm in passing and I'm seeing someone, especially in a leadership position or someone who has been around for a long period of time in the organization, if I see them reading a book, or if I see a book on their table or in their office, I am so quick to jot that thing down real quick or I'll get on my phone and quickly like look for it on Amazon and then read what that book is about. There are so many resources that people will not tell you that they actually utilize to be awesome in their job. So many, like especially when you got a, as a leader, when you're doing performance improvement, right? There are tons of resources to help us Make sure we are verbally communicating properly what the performance improvement looks like. I just always assume like, man, these people must be dope smart. Like there is no way everyone just knows like this, like the way they say it is just so perfect. Man, they got books for that. They have books for everything. There is YouTube, there is Google. Know your resources, you're welcome. The fourth thing that I wish I knew when I was transitioning one career to another was the pay. That's one thing that I wish people were really clear about what I was gonna be losing versus what I was gonna be gaining. And I say this specifically to those who are leaving the bedside and going into administrative role or a nine to five, because those are two different like subgroups, like you're getting paid hourly, you know, your benefits are different versus those who are pay getting paid salaried. And salaried is like, this is your pay standard for the year. Like, and that's not even like plus or minus bonuses or anything like that. But there is a lot that comes into play with salary versus hourly. And I wish someone would explain that to me because when I first took my salaried job, it was really hard because I was so used to working the bedside, picking up extra shifts, you know, to make, make ends meet or pay off this bill or help here, help there. I would just work like three or four shifts a week. Or, or, no, three is the normal shift. I would work two or three extra through the week just to make an extra cut. Or if anyone was like calling in, I'd be like, hey, I got you, I'll come in for you. Or if they're giving overtime, hey, I got it. I'm gonna do some overtime, I need some extra coins. But when your salary, yeah, none of that. Mm -mm. You don't get none of that unless, unless you have a PRN job and you can do that PRN job. You can work on the bedside and, you know, still pick up shifts after hours or on the weekends, which I know a lot of people still do. 
But those are some things that I didn't know that, man, that's a big difference. So the one thing that I knew that was very different for me between hourly and salary was when I was an hourly nurse, clocking in, clocking out, the one thing I hated was holidays. I could not stand when holidays come around because you're not gonna enjoy every holiday. Let's just throw it out there like that. You're gonna have to pick and choose. Okay, I, I take Thanksgiving, you have Christmas, all right. Oh, I'm gonna be here on New Year, I take Easter, okay. Fourth of July, oh, I ain't gonna see the fireworks, okay. Like, it was just annoying, like, especially when you're young and in your 20s, and like, you know, holidays is when everybody comes into town, things are popping off, people wanna do like random stuff at their house, and like, oh, I can't, y'all, I gotta call, I gotta go in, I picked up holiday. And sometimes it'll be really slow on the holidays and you're just there at work. Granted, you're getting a check, but it's like, dang, you know, I'm missing out on this memory too. So that was one thing that was just like, oh, so frustrating for me was always having to like find somebody to trade off that don't want their holiday, that want their holiday. And especially when you're working in an organization, which is very family oriented, everybody got families and they're not going to try. Mm -mm. Nope, I'm keeping my Christmas. My kids want me to see, they want to see me in the morning, open gifts. And I'm like, but... <laughs> You see them every year. <laughs> you gonna see them tomorrow. <laughs> I know that's so selfish, but I did have a selfish mentality when I was in my twenties, y'all. But anywho, um, so that was one thing I didn't like. But when I was salary, even though I couldn't pick up hourly shifts and I had to give that up, I had more of a consistent schedule, and all my holidays were off. Like I didn't have to trade in a holiday for nobody. Like I felt like yes. Uh, and especially um, pay attention to the organizations that you um, end up working for because a lot of them have really good benefits. There are organizations out there that will pay you on your holiday and it's not in one big PTO bank, which means your paid time off, your holidays come out of that bank, your sick days come out of that bank. There are a lot of organizations that put it all into one. And then there's other organizations that have your paid time off is a separate bank from your sick days, which is a separate bank. And then on your holidays, the organization pays you on your holidays. You're gonna be out, they're not gonna be open, but they'll still pay you. So those are a lot of benefits to look at when you're thinking about salary and hourly. But I gotta say, for those that are hourly on holiday, they do be paying time and a half. There's some organizations that will pay you double for working on that holiday. So it was like a give and take. But for me, I enjoyed the salary not only because it was consistent. I knew what I was going to get every week, so I had to balance my life properly and not always having to think like, oh, I got that. I just pick up two shifts and I pay that off real quick. Nope, salary is this is what you got. If you ain't going to get it next week, sit your butt at home. You can't make that trip, <laughs> okay? But I enjoyed the salary because I knew it was a nine to five. I had my weekends always off. I had my holidays always off. I knew what to expect versus hourly. It was challenging. I'm hoping that Becky comes into work on time. So I'm not having to stay overtime because she's running late to give report. Things like that used to drive me crazy working hourly and then having to give up my, you know, my, um, my holidays or shift changing on weekends, things like that. So those were some things that I wish someone would have talked to me more about, like if I understood the differences. Maybe I would have gotten into an administrative role sooner than latter. Um, but I will say, I do miss the times where I only had to work three times a week. 
Y'all, huh, that's something that I think will forever be in my soul is something I miss working the bedside. I miss my three days a week. I miss that opportunity of having just two days to just chill, de decompress, de-stress from the challenging three days. But what I don't miss is the 12 hours. I don't miss 12 to 14 hours. And technically it's not even 12 hours. We're being nice to saying 12, but it's like 14 to 15 hours, especially when you start from the clock from when you wake up. And then by the time you get to work and then report and then after the hours you stay after to catch up on charting because you had a very dramatic day. Um, those are some things that I, I don't uh, miss about hourly. Um, but the things with salary, though, the same way that I can check out after doing my three day shifts, it's really hard to check out when you are a nine to five. Sometimes work does come home with you versus the bedside where work doesn't come home with you because that patient is at the hospital and it's another nurse's problem for the next couple of hours. Let me not say problem. It's another nurse's blessing of care for the next couple of hours, right? So you don't really have to take that, um, take the burden of taking care of that member or that patient home with you, especially if it's like um, a member that is doing well, but they just couldn't be under another care, you know, versus hey, I got emails to respond back to, I got this project to do, I got uh, reports coming up, I got deadlines, I gotta take my work home with me on a salary. So that was something that I wish somebody would have told me the differences between those two. So definitely pay attention when you are leaving one career and transitioning to the other, what is the benefits? Um, salary and hourly pay is a huge difference. Um, there's benefits on both ends especially additional benefits like 401k and um, bonuses and reimbursement, tuition reimbursement, things like that. Those are things to look into when you are transitioning into your into a different role. Like what is the pay going to be and how does that affect me and my everyday? The fifth thing that I wish I knew, that I wish somebody would have told me way back in the back, is that you have to unlearn old habits. You cannot take the same way that you used to operate in one job and take it with you to another job. The skills might be relevant, right? The experiences might be relevant, but you can't take that same behavior. You can't take that same old habits and try to apply it to something new. It's almost like when you buy a new fresh pack of weave and you have an old piece of weave that is tangled and knotted and a mess and you're trying to do a new hairstyle and you sew in that tangled piece of mess into the new weave, people can see it. Like, sis, I see that the weave, your old weave is in and it's still nappy. There's still knots in it. You didn't comb it through. You didn't condition it. You didn't make it look fresh. I don't even know why you mix it in with the new one. But hey, we see that. So think about that when you're going from one old job to a new job or a new career in nursing. You can't take those old, those same old habits and bring that with you. And I say that because um, there are a lot of nurses out there that are dealing with post-traumatic stress from a boss, from a physician, from coworkers. They're bringing like um, toxic relationships into a new environment and now they're looking at everyone with those same kind of eyes they're behaving in that same kind of manner because that's what they're used to and it's hard to see yourself doing that it's like you have to check yourself 
you know? And I can say that because that was something that I dealt with a lot. I've gone through a handful of toxic bosses, um, but I never let that damper my, my shine, my glow, my magic, who I am, what I love to do, my passion for what I do. I never let that damper my spirit, but I never realized how I was still carrying on some post-traumatic stress from previous employments. Um, and that showed in how I, um, how I built a lot of my relationships. Um, and I, I had a, a mentor of mine kind of explain to me that, look, you are great at what you do, but you don't need to come and check in with me every five minutes to confirm that you're doing what you're doing. You're in this role for a reason. I believe in you. You, 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 you are this role. You don't need to prove anything to me. And to hear that from a mentor um, in a new position at that time, I was kind of like, wait, what? I didn't realize that I was doing that. But in my previous roles, I had to do that. I had to check in every five minutes because I had micromanagers who felt like they couldn't trust that I could do the job. Even though I was doing a job, I was excelling, I was doing their job too. But still, it was like they had this, this empowerment over me where I would do something, I know I'm great, I know I'm doing a great job, but I would have to check in every five seconds just to make sure they're okay with it, just to get their approval, just get their sign off. Um, and even if they liked it, they would pretend like they didn't like it and kind of like, you know, brush me to the side. But I didn't realize that I was taking that same kind of mentality and behavior and looking for the same approval in a different role until I was checked. Like, I was like, oh, wait, oh. So y'all mean y'all trust my, y'all, y'all believe in? Yes, we believe in you. Go do you. And that is something that I didn't realize that as nurses, we kind of carry that along. Even how we build our friendships, when you go from one floor to another unit, I remember I had a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, she was telling me how she went from one unit that was like very catty, very, you know, women just tearing each other down and bullying at the bedside and all that horrendous stories that we hear from one unit to the other unit. And she really didn't know how to how to really build a relationship on the new unit because she was so fearful that the same kind of toxicity that was on that unit where people were being catty, people were being messy, people were just tearing each other down. She was afraid to build relationships on the new unit because she didn't want to deal with that. So with her going into the notion that that's how every unit is going to be like, she ends up suffering herself of building a good rapport, building friends on the unit, getting that help and assistance that she needs when she's ever drowning and things like that because she chooses to isolate herself just in the fear of not wanting to repeat what she's seen happen so many times around her. So in any new job, in any new role, in any new transition that you're about to embark on, you got to stop and check yourself. What old habits do I have that could hinder me from being super successful in this new role? Is it post-traumatic stress from being shouted at a physician and being yelled at left and right, being felt like I was not good as a nurse, but now I'm about to work in a physician's office? Am I going to be taking on those kind of hesitancies? Am I going to be scared to speak up? What do I need to do to work on myself where I can unlearn these old habits and I can start afresh in this new role. That is very, very important. 
and it is an ever-changing thing like you got to check yourself all the time like all the time because sometimes we can act real crazy we can be thinking oh people are scamming behind me they're doing this and this and this and this because that was what they used to do at the old job this new job people just excited that you you hey you finna work with us thank you thank you for coming and i used to get real scared and nervous people used to overthink me like okay oh what's going on it's coming it's coming something something ain't right everybody too happy everybody liking me too much okay it's about the third time she brought me coffee what's going on and it's like we refuse to accept that people can be that kind. People can be that open and excited for you to join their team. That we're just waiting. It's like literally we're waiting to find out the worst. And we got to stop that. So definitely check yourself and unlearn old habits because it will not fit into this new role. And number six, which is last but not least, is I want you to know that your new role is a canvas. It is a blank canvas that you get to create, especially for all these new opportunities out there. There are so many new nursing roles that are just coming to light that people really don't know about, right? Like case management. I don't remember learning about case management in nursing school. And it could be a fault to me, maybe I wasn't paying attention in class, but I'm pretty much sure I would have learned like, oh, case management was a thing? Like nurses could do that? Oh, nurses can do informatics? What? Like. All these new roles that are coming up aren't just something that's just been like, oh, we've we've known about it for 20 years and now we're going to release it. It's not like a new version of iPhones, like, oh, new nursing role, release, release. No, these are like literally being created as healthcare is transforming. So to say that, a lot of these roles that are just pop-up roles, right, that we don't really, there's no like, hmm, there's no backlog to well, what do I got to do to work on this role? Like, who do I need to shadow? How do I learn more? A lot of it is you building this role and you doing a lot of your own research. I will say that quality to me um, was very new. Like hearing specifically quality is something that all nurses can go into. Because I, what I remember a couple of years ago was there was one nurse. She was the infection prevention nurse. She was an occupational therapy nurse. She was a quality nurse when Joint Commission came through. And that was it. She was like all three in one role. And I used to think like, man, you got to be the grand don to know everything, right? But that's not necessarily true. All these roles are developing. And if you have the opportunity to be in a role like this and there is no foundation, there isn't, there's no like um, onboarding, right? If there's no process on what, what things does someone need to know that's going to get into this role, let that be your canvas. Create that. Create that opportunity to build this new role you're into into a department where you can have any, like if anything was to happen to you, they could literally pull up like, man, this is the guide, this is the onboarding, this is the tools that someone who wants to be in this role needs to know. This is the resources that this person needs to contact if they're ever in situations where they don't know how to solve this issue. Like create that guide for the role that you're in. And even if you're in a role that has consistently been the same, nothing has changed. You've been a pediatric nurse and, hey, this is a role that I love and now I'm going into a charge nurse role. Look at things that you can identify as a new person, this new role as a charge nurse and think, man, if I would have had this information when I first started off, I would have really excelled well. If you can identify something like that, then that is your canvas. Build it. 
Because if you have that question, whoever is coming behind you is going to have that same exact question. So that same eye that you're identifying things that you wish you knew, be that person who creates that for someone behind you. And you don't know how far that can go. You don't know the next person that that's going to impact their life. Like, wow, this person had a blank board and created this beautiful picture that I know how to do A, B, and C, and D. I know I should join this organization to find this. I know I got to read this kind of book. I know this person's contact and this person's contact. Someone has created an onboarding tool, a guide to help me in this position. That is so needed. So let your new role, let it be your canvas. Create it, design it, put your niche on it. If there's platforms that you can utilize in your organization that can help someone coming in who has no idea what you do, then that is amazing. And that is something that I wish someone would have told me when I was starting off as a new grad, when I was starting off as a person getting into all these new positions that were constantly evolving and changing. But the thing is, no one really had to tell me that. Um, Because I learned it real, real early. I learned it when I was in college, when I was a part of organizations, and there wasn't really standards in place, and there wasn't really a process on how to do things. And I realized that I had to develop that. So what I took from that was anytime I'm in a new environment, observe what could I do better to help. Now, what I wish somebody told me was that I'm empowered to do it. I always felt scared of like, no, this is how they always do it. So let me be quiet because who am I? <laughs> who am I? Right? We always think that like, oh, this is the way they used to do it. They'll, they'll shout it down our throats. That this is how it's always been done. So it kind of puts that hesitancy on us to want to actually put our finger up and say, hey, have we thought of this idea? Or hey, I'm willing to put this together because we don't have this resource. Right? It's like we want to wait for someone to give us permission to do those things. And When that opportunity is never open, then we kind of shy away from thinking that we can be that voice of change. But you can. And I empower you to do it. Now, um, I say that. Don't be trying to come back to me like, oh, Toby uh, said I should just do it. She told me to break the rules in the hospital and just do what I had in my... Nope, I didn't say that. (laughs) But what I am saying is I empower you to build that canvas and I empower you to reach out to people in your organization or into your new career role and say, hey, I've identified some things that I really think I can help um, bring change into. And not only just throw the idea out there, but literally have a good have a good little portfolio together. Like, hey, this is what I've identified. These are some things I think would help. Um, are you okay with me just, you know, doing a pilot, doing a mini project of this? I, you know, if, if resources are going to be an issue, I will look for the cheapest available. Um, I will come in on my off time, you know, whatever you got to do to throw yourself out there to show that, look, I'm in this to win this, do it, create your own canvas. So I hope you guys have been keeping up with me. I know I've been ranting and ranting and ranting, but I shared a lot of really good information on things that. We didn't know that we should know, especially when we're changing in our career and and different transitions are are going on. So this is just from my perspective. I bet there's a whole bunch more that you are seeing in your transition in your career that you wish you knew before you started. And if you have identified that, share it with me. Like, I really want to know. I want to start having like a quick question segment in my podcast where I can answer a couple of questions that people are just dying to know based on previous podcasts and even transitioning in their career. I want to know what you wish you would have known before starting. And if you've identified that, what are you doing about it? Are you creating your canvas in your organization? 
I don't know. But if you are, hit me up. You know how to reach me. Email, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Hit me up. I cannot wait to continue on this season. There are so many amazing guests. I can't even tell you guys. Like, you got to keep up and, and just keep tuned in, for real. And download the app if you haven't. I mean, it's free. And that's the easiest way to get all my information. All right, you guys. Well, I'll be talking to you soon. And I just want to throw out some motivation for you guys, especially my students that are starting off this amazing school year, especially for those who are retaking. Hold your head up. You got this. We've been down that road. It's going to be an amazing semester. I am wishing each and every one of you guys the best, and especially for my nurses out there who are transitioning from one career to another. You got this. I am rooting for you. You're going to be successful. Remember, forget the old habits. No matter what someone told you, you are going to be great. There is someone's life out there depending on you to be great. So you be great, and I root for you. Much love.